I'm going to press in now with a little bit of some explanation. This is going to be a unique thing. It's got some teaching to it. It's going to have some articulation of what I think is a season of discipline from the Lord on the global church. Yay! And I'm going to end up prophesying about 2021. We're not meeting next week, by the way. We'll get word out. We're taking it's the next day after Christmas, and we just, I don't think they're going to meet for a quip over in, in, in El Dorado either. But so we won't be here next Saturday night. We'll be here two weeks from tonight, okay? But so I usually take the last one, the last Saturday of the, of the year, and speak about the year to come a little bit. And so I'm going to do that now. Uh, but I want to do it in the middle of the teaching. So what I want to talk about is a, a, the global, oh, it's always, always so dramatic with me, global rebooting of the prophetic in the scriptures. Um, this is happening now. It's, it's going to mean more to some of you than others. But all of this should apply to you, really, biblically. Um, I believe that there is an intentional globing of rerouting, rerouting is what I mean to say, the prophetic back in the Scriptures. And um, I, what's, what's happened, and some of you may not be as aware or around certain streams have happened, but over the last few decades, there's been an increase of focus on the manifestations or the walking out of the apostolic and the prophetic ministries. And why that's a big deal is because they've been largely neglected for more, a lot of decades. <laughs> I mean, I grew up in a church. We never, apostle, prophet, you know the deal. You, know, you don't hear that. But there was pastors, there were teachers, and you would hear of evangelists. The problem with that biblically is that Ephesians 4.11 lists five of, the, of, of five graces or five people that are equipping the body of Christ, not three. And it never, ever in your Bible mentions that apostles or prophets go away. And so what we have here, let me read the scripture to refresh your memory. And you, you pace through it with these three verses. These are big ones for us. That's why we call this equip. Um, and he gave the apostles and he gave the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds or pastors in some of your translations and teachers. He gave these five people gifts. There's list of gifts to another place. These are human beings that are anointed and gifted to do this thing called equip, equipping the saints. And they're equipping the saints for what? Not to be better attenders or members for the work of the ministry. That's what it says right there. Everybody, that's why I believe everybody that's born again is called the ministry. Everybody's called to the ministry, but he raises up some specialists, some servants, if you will, with no more privilege. They actually are to get under the people of God, not over the top of them, in my opinion, to actually stir them up and help them walk out their call. So we need this ministry to happen. How long do we need this ministry to happen? You have the word until. This happens until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Does everybody see that? How long will the fivefold ministry operate? Until we reach the unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Are we there yet? <laughs> so that's why the Lord is emphasizing, I'm going to say it again, through the voice of many teachers and trumpeting the message of the supremacy of Christ. We've been trying to unite around leaders, around denominational names, around principles. It's never, ever going to happen. The unity that will happen in the end times, I think this is going to happen before Jesus returns, it's going to be a unity in the faith, what we believe about Jesus, and the knowledge, the intimate knowledge of him. That's where unity is. 
I don't have any kind of faith for any kind of unity otherwise. And so that's going to happen. So the equippers are equipping the saints until we get to that and then until this second thing, until we come to the knowledge of the Son of God, until we reach the mature manhood, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I have no idea what that is, but I, I encourage you to take that into your prayer closet and think a little bit, dream a little bit. What does it look like that the body of Christ comes to mature manhood? Not the immaturity of the division and the distractedness in this culture, can't keep our bullseye on the gospel and the kingdom. What's it look like for maturity in manhood that would happen and that they, we would reach the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ? I mean, it's, it should stir something in you, whet your appetite as an equipper. I'm excited about that. I don't know what that looks like, but I think that's what triggers the second coming. I think that's an eschatological passage. What does eschatological mean? It just means the last times, okay, last things. The, the equipping ministry is actually a stimulant to bring back Jesus to planet Earth. Did you know that? When the fivefold's operating, the saints are equipped, they manifest unity and faith and the knowledge and the Son of God, and they manifest a mature manhood. We're actually walking in power over sin, we're walking in love for one another. We're leading nations to Jesus. It's going to stimulate the Antichrist spirit at a level that's never been seen. And then that will stimulate the judgments of God, the book of Revelation, and then Jesus will come back. Yay! That's what we want. So what we're doing here tonight and I'm doing right now is an eschatological movement toward a revolution on planet Earth. And you thought you were just coming to a Saturday night equip service. This is an eschatological motion right now. I'm doing this because I'm called, because I love you. I want to stir you up. But I'm doing this primarily because I want to get Jesus back to the planet. And I know how to get him back to the planet. That's you moving into fullness. That's you moving into unity. When that begins to happen, the Antichrist can't hide anymore and do his little weird masquerading. He exposes himself into a literal man and kingdom. There will be an Antichrist. He will expose himself out to the whole world, and then God's going to come with his power. Trumpets, bowls, bam, and here comes Jesus, and we have a big wedding. That'll be exciting. So, here you are. So the problem of gutting the apostolic and the prophetic from the fivefold ministry is that we can't get to verse 13. So the Holy Spirit's been restoring them. He's been destroying them. And it's been, all, it's been great. People are talking about it more. People are writing books about it more. People are experiencing it more. We're, this has affected me. This revolution has affected me. I'm doing one or so of those right now we call this equip, not a church, because I think Jesus is the only one who builds the church. And you're a church, not a building. You know that. And so we want to execute the equipping ministry. I want to multiply that everywhere we can for shepherds to see that and to do that so that we accelerate this dynamic of unity around Christ and the maturity of the manhood. So it's a very, very good thing. And so it's vital. It's vital as we move closer to the end of the age. But as with all restoration movements, there has also come some messiness in the restoration. Almost never is there a push and a revival without a ton of mess. Has anybody ever read revival history? 
So Martin Luther brings the restoration of the gospel of salvation through grace. It's awesome. But then suddenly, whole streams are endorsing sinning whenever you want because the grace of God. We're not saved by works, so I'm just going to do whatever I want. That's not the grace of God. The grace of God pays for my sin, but the grace of God empowers me not to sin. But when the revelation came, we don't do works. We, our pendulum so goes so strong that we end up abusing these things. I think we're coming into a place of maturity where we can stay in focus and restoration can happen without all the excesses. But there's been a bit of mess. I believe in the last couple of years, there's been attempts by the enemy to hijack the restoration of these two vital functions by polluting them with a lack of scriptural accountability. So what's happened is the apostolic and prophetic moves with such authority, the prophetic especially, that's what I want to talk about, such revelation, we suddenly lose the Bible in the middle of all the revelation. It's a crazy deal. Listen, the Bible is the absolute authoritative apostolic word to all generations until Jesus comes. It will be for all eternity, by the way, okay? So we love it when the downpour of revelation comes. We're open to dreams, visions. I train and lab time to do this. But here's the danger. Sometimes we start getting revelation in the spirit, start feeling our way through it, and we start to lose our anchor in the Bible. I think this has happened. I think it's happened in a major way, and now it's raising its ugly head. And it's because the Father loves us. He, well, let me keep going. But the zeal of the Lord and our loving Father so arranges circumstances and raises up voices to bring about purity in the midst of the restoration. The Lord is so good at setting up situations that end up causing us to uh, show forth our weaknesses. He ends up exposing the ways that we've got so far off. He does it in our life about character, patience. You know, you pray, God, make me patient. Okay, here we go. Lord, do whatever it takes to make me holy. Okay, here we go. That's probably going to involve impatient situations, temptations. It's going to involve all kinds of dynamics as the Lord begins to answer these prayers. Well, he's doing it here. He's restoring the apostolic and prophetic, but some stuff's got out of whack, I think, particularly. The prophetic is being put on a platform for the dealings of the Lord right now. I'm just going to take a couple minutes about this, and you can do what you want to do, and I hope nobody gets mad at me. But there has been a deluge of missed prophecies in the body of Christ in the last year like we've never seen. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, prophets, mainline prophets with big ministries, coronavirus will never come to America. Never. That's what they said. Back in January, in February, it's not coming. God's going to protect us. We're his anointed nation. Woom, here it comes. I don't know of one of them that's repented. Not one. Then some came out and said, by Passover, it will pass over. <laughs> it's here, but by Easter, God's moving the thing. By Passover, it's Passover. I mean, these are renowned, big, but it didn't happen. Actually increase that. I don't know one that's recanted and repented. Maybe you do. And may, may God do it. There's been other stuff. I'm going to go around the election. I mean, I only know one that went one way that's the way it's happening right now. And almost everybody went the other way. Now, you may say it's not over. Maybe. But I hope when this is over, 
that we get some humility in the body of Christ and in the prophetic stream. Because we've grounded what we feel and what we want and other agendas, we've grounded in that instead of in the Bible. We ended up getting caught in the prophetic agenda and we lost the gospel agenda a little bit. Now, he loves us. He's not mad at us. But I, yeah, I got one word from a guy that, so listen, Jeremiah 18 <laughs> clearly says this. If I, de- this is what the Lord says to Jeremiah. If I determine to bless a nation, that's my determination. I say it, I'm gonna bless them. Then they sin and turn away from me. I can change my mind and bring cursing upon them. On the other hand, if I determine and say it out loud, I'm going to curse that nation, then they suddenly repent like Nineveh. I, can, I have the right to change my mind and to bless them. I believe the Lord has the right to decide what he's going to do with America. And I think it's in real time, some of those decisions. Some, some people think they're set. I don't think so. I think the Lord loves it. I think this is all about the church bigger than about America, by far. (laughs) This is about the holy nation that's going to reign forever more than America that's going to be a cliff note in the new heaven and new earth. Okay, he's dealing with us, and I'm glad he is. He loves us. I'm trying to be patient and deal with it and walk and, and all that and not get on sides and all that kind of stuff. It's just such a weird time right now. But I believe that the Lord has established a combustive, weird mask-wearing, political weirdness, plague-shutting-down pandemic to maybe expose where we weren't rooted in Jesus and in the Bible. That's just my theory. I believe that the Spirit is rerouting the prophetic ministry back in the Scriptures and thus back in the supremacy of Christ. Let me read two Bible verses for that, and then I want to prophesy about 2021. We'll see how that turns out. I mean, honestly, I don't think, you, if you don't think, I prophesied 2020 would be green. (laughs) That's what I said. 2019's on fire, 2020's green. Now, I got some good people around me trying to prove I'm still right. It is really, it's going to be, and maybe it is. Maybe we'll find out green, you know, I don't, that's all I knew. I didn't do specifics, but it didn't feel real green, (laughs) okay, So I don't know what that means. Did I miss it? I don't know, but blah, blah, blah. I'm just saying this. I put myself in this pool. He's dealing with me too because I love the prophetic. I love it. But let me give this verse, 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. It says, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's, someone's own interpretation. I'm hoping that gets reset in the body of Christ. So we've got someone's own interpretation has almost become absolute And I think he's resetting us where it's not our own interpretation. It's just the main and plain of the Bible. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So this Bible is the root and anchor and the interpretive lens for every prophecy we should give. What it says we know, we'll say we know. What it says we don't know, let's have the humility to say we don't know. All the prophetic ministry, I think, is about to get reset in 1 Corinthians 13 that says we know in part and we, in what? In part. Now, when the fullness and the perfect comes, dude, there's a prophetic ministry coming that's going to rock your world. You and I are going to get some stuff right for billions of years prophesying in a resurrected body connected to Jesus. But until that day, it's a tad messy. 
We're doing it in part. We're prophesying in part. That's okay. You don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, and I'll say that in a minute. But we want to be rooted in the Bible. Then lastly, let me give you this one. Revelation 19.10. I hope you all get this verse. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. John did to an angel. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. And then one of the most powerful phrases about prophetic ministry. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You want the purest word about what prophecy is, it's the testimony of Jesus. And I hope that's not boring to you. Because if it's boring to you, something's wrong with us. The most exciting, glorious thing about the gospel is Jesus. Not heaven, not the dynamic prophetic ministry, not the... <laughs> he is the one that should fascinate our souls. Paul's saying in, in Philippians 3.8, I want to know him. The, the infinite glory of knowing Jesus makes everything rubbish to me. I'm asking for that kind of apostolic fascination once again with the people of God to where a guy begins to pray, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. What's the next phrase? I want to so know him, I want to... Does everybody got it? It's not a refrigerator verse, but... I want to know the fellowship... He said, I want to know the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. What maniac prays that? Only someone who's addicted to Jesus... And says, bring hell or high water, bring communism or not, bring atheism, I'm going after Jesus, and nothing's going to move me, because that's the priority to me, and I'll give my life to it. So, let us not throw the baby out with the bathwater, because we've missed it, and there's been massive missing. I got some good buddies, one up at IHOP, and we went to college together, and he's writing a book, he wrote a book on this. He goes, can we all talk about what happened <laughs> from 2019 into 2020, because nobody's talking about it. How did we miss it so bad? How did no one know what was coming? You know what I mean? And, and, and the answer may not be because of this and that, how we get better answers, but we need to back up and get a little more humble. We got to back up a little bit and stay focused on what we know for sure from our Bibles and speak and then have some humility. I'm hoping that there is an avalanche of repentance and humility that restores this thing back fast. But if it doesn't happen, I'm telling you, the Lord will take his time until we get there because he loves us and he wants the purity of this thing so we can get to his second coming. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, thank you for the prophetic movement. Thank you for prophetic voices. I don't, I'm not here to judge anybody, but the clear, clear evidence of predicted dates and predicted events not happening, I pray that you would give revelation. We would learn. We'd back up, pause, and learn. But I pray nobody quit. Let nobody stop. Let them push forward in the midst of the weakness and the limping, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.